Listeners, it's really good to have you back. Welcome to If I Only Knew. Matt, my friend, you're looking well. How are you this week? Thanks very much, Fred. I'm doing great. All things considered, we've had a bit of another lockdown, another COVID scare in Victoria, which is a, a bit disappointing, but uh, I'm, I'm managing all things considered. Yeah. As we speak, Victoria is coming out of a lockdown and New South Wales is in a restricted area, possibly going to a lockdown due to our fantastic new friend, the Delta strain. <laughs> Just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water, Jaws 2, people. Exactly. Okay, Jaws 2. So today we're going to talk a little bit about a younger person's experience of what's going on. Um, this is a once in a generation happening and, and God, let's hope that's true. Yeah. Uh, and we got to a point where I believe we thought that maybe we'd broken the back of this. I will say, Matt, as I sit here today, I've had my second jab as at yesterday. So no blood clots or complications. If if an eye rolls into the back of my head during this recording, just hit the button and uh, shot me back to life. All jokes aside, one of the things that's come out of this COVID scenario is it is a rolling uncertainty. And one of the phenomenon that we're seeing as psychologists particularly for young people, is this uncertainty and anxiety about re-engaging in society itself. So at one point, pubs and clubs open, and there's a lot of people saying, I don't know that I want to go back. They challenge themselves to do it, and lo and behold, we go into another snap lockdown. Yeah. So this ever-present fear of getting sick, and there's only been one time in my life, Matt, before this, where there was such a, a pervasive fear in the community around health, and that was with the AIDS pandemic. Right, yeah. Uh, and some really terrible, really scary stuff that they put out about AIDS. I'd encourage younger listeners to jump on YouTube and have a look at the old Grim Reaper ads. Jesus. It was actually the Grim Reaper bowling at fairly normal looking people and saying basically anytime you touch someone, actually that's not true, but that's how I heard it, you're going to get AIDS and you're going to die. Yeah, yeah. And it was terrifying. And it was this big cloud of an issue that that had no specificity. So in my life, I kind of saw it there and I'm still scared of that stuff. That ad still uh, provokes fear in me. But there's all these young people out there that are saying, I don't know when I want to get back into society. I know you've been through a couple of lockdowns now and you go into your bunker and you, you do whatever you've got to do. What's it like, mate? Yeah, I think it's a. This is a very specific part of the problem of COVID. Right, everyone's been talking about COVID for eighteen months now, and it's like a, a hole in the bloody head. But um, I think that this is one of those things that if we're casting our eyes to the future, just how long is this problem going to be around there, and just how can we possibly go back to daily life with this spectre hanging over us, you know? And I think that that's where Australia is in a strange position because it does feel like we have the opportunity to eradicate it in Australia. It feels like we might just be able to be completely COVID-free and then things would just be normal. And I think we were, at least I was kind of optimistic for that. And then now it kind of seems like, well, that's not how this is actually going to work. And I think that that fear of, well, we're going to get rid of it for a while, we're going to control it for a little bit, but then it's just going to come back is a really 
scary sentiment because there's no sense of closure, no sense of a, an end date or whatever. And that's like uh, always one of those things that I think people uh, struggle to deal with are problems that they can't conceptualize or um, entrap within a, a time frame or a, a space. I think one of the big examples of this, and I guess it feels like, kind of like a first world problem, but I've been chatting to a bunch of my friends about all the plans we had for our early 20s, right? You know, we, we want to go backpacking, we want to go overseas, we want to go yeah. uh, South America, Southeast Asia, England, spend a, spend a gap year somewhere. I was always intending to spend a semester studying overseas because I have that opportunity and I just don't think that's going to happen in my early 20s anymore it doesn't feel like travel is going to be resuming in any sort of normalcy for two years three years three and a half who knows I just can't say and I think that that's really put a a real dint in the way a lot of young people conceptualize their lives the next three four five years and there's no sense of when we're able to return to those plans or even if we'll be able to return to those plans so I think that that's where this sense of we can't bound this problem within time or space and it's eating away at us it's undermining our ability to plan for the future our ability to create a narrative for ourselves for who we want to be and where we want to go and I think that poses quite a unique challenge to like the psychology and the well-being of a lot of young people I think that's probably you know people comment about this uh, podcast and talk about how insightful you are but that's this remarkable insight that we get from talking to each other Matt because what I heard you say there is you can't be optimistic about the future you want right now Mm. And so I would imagine you guys feel stuck and really helpless. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. And there's nothing we can do. You know, there's nothing anyone could do, which is kind of the, the problem. It's the only solutions we have available to us are, are nebulous and logistical problems that are well outside of any individual's control. And yep. so I think that that's um, another problem. We've spoken about that as being a feature of climate change in the past. It's outside the individual's control. Therefore, it's more scary. And I think that that could be in some ways paralleled here. Um, yeah, no, for sure. It, it just feels like we have no solutions to it and if it goes well like I hear people saying this isn't going to go away and by god I hope that's not the case because I really do hope that we find some through the miracle of science or whatever find some way to address it but if COVID just becomes another flu that we have to deal with I think there'll be some really significant consequences for our well-being and that, even if that's unlikely that's a very real fear that I discuss with my friends and yeah. that's quite scary I think again it's one of those larger than the individual fears as well Mm. tell me something has it ever made you angry ah i know it's made a lot of my friends angry i think because there is this this impotency of anger right we can't do anything about it it's not my fault you've ruined my plans for god's sake i've heard some interesting anger from some of my friends very very like well-educated friends who make good points about the fact that well at the start could we not have managed this better right at the beginning could nations not have cooperated better couldn't we have had better international support and a clearer communication from everyone why did it have to get to this stage you know i think that's a very interesting question so anger at some countries for concealing things or international institutions for failing to act as effectively as they might have been able to Um, i think there's a lot of anger there personally i don't feel it as much i think because i'm not a hugely angry person i don't think that's an an emotion i'm particularly familiar with and so i don't think it's one i show all that much but um no I, i think that it's interesting to see also where that anger does manifest it's not strictly at the virus itself though that is sometimes the case but i think it's 
sense and anger at, well, couldn't everyone have reacted in some way better to this, for God's sake, you know? Yeah, that resonates with me being older because growing up, I was always told Australia's greatest defence is that we're in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the current Delta strain makes me really angry because we learnt plenty Mm. and then we ignored it and let it back in. And that really pisses me off. What makes me even more angry is my favourite coffee shop's gone because they couldn't, you know, they couldn't last through it. And my second favourite coffee shop's gone because they couldn't stand the next wave. In terms of young people that are out there at the moment, this idea of things open up and then they close, you're not a health professional, but you're a really insightful, you know, wise beyond your years soul that I've learned a lot from. What do you say to young people that are more anxious about going out than staying home? What would you say to them if they were your friends? Oh, it's such a strange phenomenon, Fred, because I think there's this duality between I want to, I've been stuck inside for six months. I want to party. I want to make the most of it. I want this to be a culmination and excitement. You know, the, the end of World War II was the most ecstatic, emotional event in human history as I Hence the baby boom. Exactly, that, right? That ecstasy was an aphrodisiac. <laughs> that's right. People very much made the most of it. And so I think that there, that's what I wanted. I wanted to see six months lockdown, six months or maybe even a year, and then a, an ecstatic return to life. Everyone's spending again, big money, big participation in the world. But I think that that's been totally cut off of the legs by our inability to provide a clear end date to this. Because we had a small exaltation once this finished in Victoria the first time and then we went back in two months later and then you just have it just continues to be less and less of a party when you finish and so I fully understand why people wouldn't want to go out there and count their chickens before they hatch you know because they're not sure that this is finished they're not sure this is done in terms of what would I suggest to someone who doesn't want to go out I think I'd, I'd be inclined to say at least for a while you know do what you're most comfortable with that's totally fine you know but I'd probably encourage people to try and find workarounds that make them more comfortable so maybe you're not comfortable going to a busy restaurant don't blame someone for that gosh I've declined more than a few dinner invitations from friends recently but maybe instead you walk in the park with a few friends or you play some online cooperative video games with them I think we're gonna try and balance the things that make us feel good and the things that make us feel safe because there's in some t- some ways they can be conflicting I think um, so to avoid this stagnation at home that I know I was feeling all through COVID my god um I think it's important to try and yeah, try and make space around that anxiety to try and continue to participate in the things that make us feel good. Yeah. I think there's some really that last sentiment is probably where I pick up from, which is continue to make the time and effort for things that make you feel good. I know it's scary out there. Um, explaining sort of the lockdown and delta strain to my six-year-old daughter was almost like but COVID's gone right well it's a funny thing you know it's uh it does push ups and comes back sometimes until we can beat it i think for those that are experiencing whether you be young or old but experiencing some anxiety about engaging with society again like any anxiety provoking trigger ease yourself into it but use it or lose it get out there when you can and as matt said if a crowded restaurant does your head in a walk in the park and fish and chips on the grass is a great alternative um do what you are comfortable with but do something don't stop 
don't collude with the anxiety. It's designed to keep you safe. It's a, it's the great fight or flight mechanism that kept us safe from the dinosaurs, Matt. It's a very, very <laughs> clever function. With that said, it's a primitive biological law. So what I want you to think about is how do I convince myself I can be safe and challenge myself to get out there and do things in the face of what is rolling uncertainty? There is no armistice coming. There is no ceasefire on this thing. I do think that there are steps that, and I'm not political, I think we should have closed borders and I think we should vaccinate everybody and I think the vaccines should be happy and healthy. I also think people would feel better if people Matt's age could line up and get the jab, which Mm. they're currently doing in the UK and apparently uh, public sentiment has changed dramatically because of that. Mm. So as I said, whether you're young or old, uh, don't let fear win the day. Matt, I think for those that have been involved in lockdown, and this whole thing started in lockdown as a yeah. as an aspirational opportunity for me and you just to hang out and for me to learn from you, I'd say you're lockdown thriving, my friend. Lockdown <laughs> thriving. Well, that's the goal, but it's all and relative, I, isn't it, Fred? Hey, my friend, another great one this week, um, guys. For those that have listened and enjoy these little short breaks, there are longer episodes and shorter ones, but. We direct your attention to a better podcast production called My Perspective. Good friends of ours, Matt, uh, Mm. Malcolm and Chris, have got their own podcast up. I've listened to the first two episodes and they're stories of people who have survived and thrived and recovered and they're great discussions about resilience. I defy you, Matt, not to shed a tear, (laughs) to laugh, to be heartfelt. And for those that don't know, Matt's been... uh, a little bit involved teaching a very old generation how to use technology to get their podcast up and running. So uh, I'm sure the check's in the mail from those fellas, Matt. We've got there. We've got there. It's very we've good. got there. That's good to know. All right, uh, listeners, until next week, it's bye from me. Thanks very much, guys. We'll see you around. See you later. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a Better Pod Group production, with special thanks to our researcher, Nicola Binks, executive producer, Matt Blanche, the providers of our theme song with credits that are in our bio, and of course, you, the listener. It's important to remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Whilst there are therapeutic themes discussed, in no way is this podcast considered treatment, and in the event you're in a psychological emergency, please reach out in whatever way you can through 000 or Lifeline 13 11 14. It's important to remember that the discussion is for entertainment purposes, and the opinions voiced by podcast hosts are theirs and theirs alone. Any reference to copyright or copywritten material is, of course, the copyright of the copyright owner and or relevant corporate entities. Thank you for listening to Better Pod Group Productions and tune in to some of our other excellent pod productions on this network.